Hello everyone. My name is Tracy Smith and I want to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. As you know, my purpose in doing these podcasts is to try and help you better understand God's Word and to show you through the Word of God that being a Christian doesn't have to be complicated. So let's get started. Today's podcast is going to be about the kingdom of God and really what it's worth. It's going to be about what it means to you and I today. Before we dive into the message, though, I want to ask you a question like I always do. Have you ever found something or someone so amazing that you gave up all your dreams, you gave up your career, you gave up your college, you gave up everything just to have it in your life? I bet you have. I bet we all have. Maybe it wasn't a person, though. Maybe it was a job or a career you found so amazing that you completely immersed yourself in it, that you gave up everything around you, all your hobbies, everything, just to dive into the work because the work was that important to you. Maybe the job required you to move to a different city, so you packed up everything you own, you left your friends, your family, you left everything you had to pursue it point I'm trying to make here is that at some point in your past or in your future, you'll find something or someone so special that nothing else will matter. And whatever it costs you is worth it. I want to talk to you about two men that found just that. They led very different lives, but they found a treasure that was worth more than anything they had. Two men that found a hidden treasure or a treasure That was so amazing, so unlike anything they'd ever seen before that they literally sold all their worldly possessions to attain it. Now, I don't know their names. It doesn't matter. I don't know where they're from. But the two men I'm going to tell you about during this podcast were made famous by Jesus during two of his parables in the book of Matthew. See, parables, you probably know this, but parables were Jesus' method of teaching And the first method mentioned in Matthew 13 was the parable of the sower, probably one of the more popular ones, more well-known ones. The parable of the sower speaks to how the word was sown and that it was based on the type of ground it went into, right? Or whether the person that it was going into was ready to receive it. That readiness determined whether or not the word yielded any fruit. Now, we won't talk about the parable of the sower in this podcast. But I do want you to look at a statement that he makes in verse 9 and throughout the Bible. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you have your Bible with you, put a bookmark in Matthew 13, because that's obviously where we'll spend the bulk of our time today. But I'm going to move away from it for just a second. So Jesus says here, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what he's saying is, is that there's something to be said that goes beyond the natural mind. There's something that goes beyond the natural story that I've just told you. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you look at 1 Corinthians 2.9, the NLT version sounds like this, or it goes like this. That is what the scriptures mean when they say 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, there's verse 9 is saying that there are things that you've never heard, seen, or received in your heart that God has waiting for you. And a lot of folks stop there because they think that's what heaven is going to be about, right? But to understand the context of this scripture, you have to go to the next. Too many times people cherry pick one scripture and use it without looking at the context of the next. We would never do that in our normal day-to-day lives, but we do it in the Bible for some reason. But listen to what verse 10 says. But God has revealed them. He has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So he's saying here that the things you haven't seen, the things you haven't heard, the things that have never entered in your heart, those things God will reveal to you by his spirit. So when Jesus tells a story and then says, let him who has ears hear, He's saying that within yourself, without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. That this story is not for you anyway. If you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, this story is not for you. Only by my Spirit will you ever get the true meaning or the depth of what I'm saying. See, that phrase is found throughout the Bible, both in the Old and in the New Testament. Meaning that there's something that God wanted to reveal to us by His Spirit since all the way back to the book of Isaiah. Now let's go back to the parables in Matthew 13 and you'll understand why I just said what I did. In all, there are eight parables within this chapter. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go in to read each one of them to you, but at some point over the next day or so, I would ask you to go read them and to try to understand what he's saying. What you'll find though in each of them is that Jesus is trying to help us better understand what the kingdom of heaven is like or what the kingdom of God is like. In fact, he uses those exact words in each of them. The kingdom of heaven is like, right? In one, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like a leaven. The kingdom of heaven, the two that we'll read today or focus on today, is to say the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So as you can clearly see, it doesn't take four years of Bible college to understand what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is trying to help us understand one of the biggest mysteries in the Bible, the kingdom of God. If someone asks you right now what the kingdom of God is, what would you tell them? What would you tell them? What is the kingdom of God? If someone came up to you and said, I read this this chapter in the Bible today and it was talking about the kingdom of God, where is it or what is it? What would you tell them? How important do you think knowing what the kingdom of God is? How important is that? If you're a Christian and you're trying to talk to someone else about Christianity, how important do you think it is? It was important enough for John the Baptist to use it often. In Matthew 3, 2, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus not only said the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe in Matthew 4, 17, but he also used it when he was teaching his disciples and you and I how to pray. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, thy will be done, right? 
And in the Beatitudes, he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 5, 3 and 10. And at the Last Supper, he said, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink anew in the kingdom of God. So having a better understanding of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is important. Important enough, I believe, for us to try and understand what truth Jesus is trying to reveal in these parables. Now after all that, finally, let's look at the parables. They're found in verses 44 through 46. Jesus says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 45 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now notice the similarities in the parables. Both are about a man who discovers something that has great value, right? It almost sounds as if he's talking about the same person or he's telling the same story twice, but they're very different. Both parables say a man found something that was so valuable that nothing he currently had in his life could be compared to it. Can you imagine going on a walk, finding something so valuable that you'd be willing to hide it again and go and sell everything you had, give up everything you had in your life just to be able to buy that field. See, that treasure Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He's teaching us about the kingdom of God. He's telling us that if we really understood the treasures that come with it, we would sell out. We would sell out or give up everything we had on earth just to have the treasure of the kingdom of God. So Jesus isn't just passively talking about the kingdom here. He's not making God's kingdom sound like some small, insignificant thing, is he? See, that's why doing this podcast was so important to me. Let me give you a mental picture to help you understand how most of us have this thing inside out or upside down. I'm going to try to do it quickly so as not to take up too much time, but I want to get this picture in your head. So picture, if you like, if you will... Your life is a merry-go-round. And that merry-go-round is separated into seven different sections, each section representing a day. Now, in most of our minds, we consider our priorities as the pole in the center of the merry-go-round, right? In other words, the world revolves around us. The world revolves around our priorities. Think about how this shakes out. For most of us, five of those sections, the bulk of that merry-go-round is our work days. Eight to ten hours a day, drive time back and forth, we get home, we eat, we watch a little TV and we're done, right? We're consumed by work. One day, which is usually Saturday for anyone not working in retail, is our day to recuperate. We hang out with the family, we go fishing, boating, golfing, perhaps you use it to go to the grocery store, run errands, go to the ballpark with your kids, anything but work, right? And then there's Sunday. That Sunday section spins around finally. The day we give to God, 
the one day that we give to God. We roll out of bed an hour before the church starts. We get dressed and we head to church, right? We spend an hour or so listening to the pastor, thinking about how hungry we are, looking at what someone is wearing. They had the audacity to wear that to church. Then we head home, we eat lunch, take a nap, and that's it, right? That's our God day. So out of the hundred or so hours we have awake through the week, God, who, by the way, sent his son to die for you, gets less than three hours a week dedicated to him. Now, do you honestly believe that's the way it's supposed to be? Is that what God wants? Or is Jesus supposed to be the center of the merry-go-round? Is God supposed to be the pole in the merry-go-round? Shouldn't everything we do revolve around him? Shouldn't our days revolve around him regardless of what day it is? Isn't he worth that? See, that's what these parables are trying to show, that we should sell out and commit to God. That how we live our lives, how we do our marriages, how we raise our children, how we interact with others, how we show up at work, all revolve around God. See, he's not just something that passes by every seven days or so. He has to be the center of my world. See, if we had a true conviction of the kingdom of God, we would be just like these two men. We would sell out everything just so we could have that treasure. Now, obviously, there's a difference between the two men. In verse 44, he says, The kingdom of, of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man had found. See, the picture that's established here is that the man wasn't looking. He was out maybe walking in the neighborhood, just happened upon a field where a treasure had become exposed over time. See, the key here is that it wasn't found by one seeking. It was found by one that just happened by. That's the cool thing. When the man found it, he realized it had so much value, he hid it again. And with joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought the whole field. Notice what he doesn't do, though. He doesn't just come back under the cover of darkness, dig up the treasure and leave, right? Why do you think he didn't grab it and run? See, because he's thinking there must be more in this field. There must be more treasure where that treasure came from. He's thinking, I need to buy this whole field because there's going to be more treasure in it. And I'm going to need more time to investigate the field to see what all it has for me. And even if I sell everything I own and buy this field and it only has that one treasure, it's still worth more than I ever had. Now let's read 45 and see the difference between the men. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. So to you and I, a merchant would be the same as a maybe a traveling salesperson, right? The merchant back in those days would travel around from place to place. They would find things of value. They would buy it and then they would take it back and resell it. So the difference between the man in 44 and the man in 45 is that one was wandering by, going about his daily business, not seeking, and one was seeking. The wanderer found a field right down the road from his house. The other man is a traveler. He's seeking treasure. And the point is, one is seeking, and the other man isn't seeking at all. Think about it for a second. How many of you were like the merchant? How many of you were actively seeking Jesus when you found him? How many of you were just wandering by? Not really looking for anything, but just happened upon the treasure. 
See, my testimony is much like the man in the first parable. See, when I came back to Christ, when I walked back into church, I wasn't seeking Jesus at all. Now, I'm not going into the whole story, but when I went back to church, I did it to make Shelly happy. I promise you, as sure as I'm breathing air, that my sole purpose when I walked into that church and sat down on that back row was to be to do something nice for my wife. It never crossed my mind that in a few short months my life would be changed forever or that I would commit my life back to the Father. I had no idea that my wife would join a women's prayer group and that they would spend hours together each week worrying and praying about people like me who needed help. And the truth is that even if she had told me that, I wouldn't have believed it anyway. I'd have laughed at it and told her I didn't need help. I wasn't seeking. When I came into that church that day, I was just like the man walking by that field. I didn't know I wanted God. I didn't know I needed him. I just happened by a field minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I found something more valuable than anything I had in my life. And ever since that day, ever since the moment that it happened, there's been nothing in my life more than what I found in that field. So for those of you who have someone like me in your life that desperately needs God, the good news of the gospel and the good news about what Jesus does is that he will reveal himself even when we're not looking. But here's the thing. Some of you have a different testimony. Some of you were like the merchant seeking. Maybe you were down and depressed. Maybe you were at the end of your rope. Maybe sin had run its course in your life. Maybe you got so low that the only place you could look was up. Maybe at some point, a seed of faith or a seed of the gospel had been planted in your heart. Maybe you saw an old forgotten Bible in the corner and you just picked it up. Maybe you were looking for a church or for a podcast. And because of this, you knew to call out of the Lord. What I'm trying to describe to you is that you were looking. You were searching because you knew the Lord was somewhere. And you knew you needed him. You knew that if you found him, that the word of God would make you free forever. You were seeking God. And God was there for you. But listen, not everybody's seeking. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be seeking. I certainly should have been seeking looking. I knew I was living wrong. My mama had taught me that. But I wasn't looking to give my life back to God. I thought I had a good life. I was perfectly happy with my life. Why would I want to change it? I had everything. I had a little farm. I had a log cabin in the woods. I had a beautiful family. We had horses, chickens, dogs, a fishing pond in my own backyard. In my mind, I was living the dream. All I wanted that day was to sit on the back row in a tiny little church and make my wife happy. Little did I know that two years later I'd be standing behind the pulpit boring people slammed to death talking about a book that helped folks understand the 23rd Psalm. And not too long after that I would be confusing the teens to death as their Sunday school teacher. And in June of 2018, I would be asked and would become a deacon in that church. 
And here's what's really crazy. In March of 2020, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit and a friend named Princess at my work, I began these podcasts. And in less than five months later, they would have been listened to over 1,000 times. You see, like many of you, I was wandering through life, thinking I was happy. But that day, praise God, He showed me a treasure in the field. A treasure I wasn't looking for. Now see, that's just a small part of my testimony. But everybody doesn't have the same testimony I do. I wasn't seeking. But by the grace of God and a little help from four or five women who wouldn't give up on me, I was smart enough to know that the treasure God was offering me was far better than anything I could have going on in my life. How great is our God who is willing to make himself known even to a person like me who purposely turned his back on him. Now, if your story's like mine, not only were you not looking, you didn't want to have anything to do with God. See, we didn't want to give up our worldly things. And I'm telling you this, I went through that. Not to talk about me, not to brag on me, because God did all this. I'm telling you, because you have people in your lives right now that aren't seeking. They may even be like I was, and they're running in the opposite direction. Running. They don't need or want God in their life. It may be your father, or your mother, your sister, your brother. It may be a husband or a wife. It may just be a close friend. But all of you have people who don't want anything to do with the Bible or church or Jesus right now. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, don't give up. Don't give up on them coming to Christ. And please don't ever stop sharing the gospel or praying for them. How many years do you think Shelly prayed for me until God turned me into a seeker? After all that time, her brain had to be telling her to give up, that I wasn't going to change. But don't ever count out or disqualify somebody from being ready just because they aren't looking or seeking. See, my testimony is that I wasn't looking for Jesus and I honestly didn't know how bad I needed him. I didn't know the blessings he had for me. I didn't know the life he would make for me. I just didn't know. Can you imagine how grateful I am now to all those people who didn't give up on me? To Shelly and Tiffany and Luann and others how eternally grateful I am that Jesus died for me and came looking for me while I was yet a sinner. But the question is, which one are you? Are you the individual that Jesus revealed himself to and that really you weren't even looking? Or are you the seeker? Are you someone for some reason, good or bad, that went looking for Jesus? See, if that's you, if you're the seeker, your testimony 
is equally as powerful as mine. That's why I believe Jesus spoke to both in the parables. It doesn't take much looking to see that both the wanderer and the seeker ended up doing the exact same thing. The stories tell us they sold everything they had to buy that field or to buy that treasure. The kingdom that they had found was worth more than currently anything they had in their life. Both made an exchange. They exchanged the things they had of the world for the treasures of God. So you have to think, what do we have in our lives that we're not willing to exchange? Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not steal. And here's the point. Verse 21 is the point behind all of it. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, there's a connection that can't be separated between your heart and what you treasure. But I want you to know that God's not saying to us, get rid of everything you have in your life. He's not telling you to sell your house and your car and only keep the clothes on your back. He's not telling you to sell it all and go flat broke for him so that you can have his kingdom. That's not the point in the message at all. In fact, I think God wants the opposite. How are you supposed to help someone if you've sold out and you don't have anything to help them with? How are you to give to the poor if you have nothing to give, right? See, there's nothing wrong with us having things. But the million dollar question is, is does your things have you? When the inventory of your life takes your heart's full attention, you don't just have things, things have you. And that's where I was. That cabin, those horses, all that stuff that I had, had me. Selling out to the kingdom of God says, I put my heart only in the things of God. I serve the Lord with my life. I don't serve the things God put in my life. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, we don't have to wonder if there's a connection. We know there is. We don't like to give our stuff away because that's where our heart is. We don't like to part with our stuff, do we? Jesus goes on to say in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It can't happen. 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? See, he's answering all your questions here. What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Notice what he says in 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Remember what the merchant was doing? The merchant was seeking. He says, don't seek the things the Gentiles seek. Verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He's answered every question you have. He's saying, if you put me first, all these other things that you used to put in front of me or before me, 
you can still have them in your life. They're just not running your life. Verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The NLT version says, Today's trouble is enough for today. Quit worrying about tomorrow. Give tomorrow to God. The question you and I will have to answer one day is what are we seeking first? What did we spend our lives think seeking? How will you answer that? I'm telling you, you need to slow down and answer the question today in your own mind. Because one day, it won't be me asking it. It'll be God. On Judgment Day, you'll have to answer it. And by then, it'll be too late. It'll be too late to change the answer. I'm going to end this message the same way I started it. What are you seeking first? What comes first in your life? Who do you put first in your life? And if you know the Lord and he's revealed to you his treasures, how could you not set everything aside for him? If you really know the treasure and the value of God and his kingdom, how could you not sell out? The men in the parable sold out everything. They didn't see it as a loss. They saw it as a gain. See, there are so many people that won't leave the world or the things of the world because they see it as losing or as giving up their stuff or their freedom to do what they want to do. See, they think they're going to give up their freedom to do what God wants them to do. But I want you to see, you never lose. The point of the kingdom of God is that it's worth more than anything you currently have. They didn't sell out to go broke. The man that found the pearl didn't go out and sell everything he had so he could walk around with a pearl in his hand. The man who sold everything to buy the field didn't become a homeless man living in a field. See, he saw that the treasures, both of them saw the treasures was worth far more than anything they had. See, there's, there's too many people that will not see the value in Jesus. And they will not know that he's worth more than anything they currently have. And that anything he asks us, or whatever he puts on us on our hearts, it's worth doing. How we value the Lord and the treasure that's been revealed to us will be proven by what we're willing to give up to attain. And I want to say this, and I want you to understand it. For the believers today that think they can serve both the world and the kingdom, you're fooling yourselves. But you're not fooling God. God knows. And as the body of Christ, as the church, you and I have to commit to selling out. And even more importantly, we have to commit to telling everyone else, about the treasures we have found in God. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.